Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Uh, well, the party is going to continue. Um, we're going to hear from a man who is becoming a dear, dear friend to me. You know, I love the way that God sometimes will give you someone in your life, and it's one of those, like, for, the, for, for such a time as this, friends, blah, 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 blah. And, and that is exactly what Joel Bennett has been, been to me. Uh, we actually met, we have a mutual friend, and that guy told us that we should hang out. It didn't happen, and I was actually off of Instagram for a little while, and he DM'd me on Instagram and said, hey, we should hang out, I'm going to be in Austin. Liz actually saw it on my Instagram and responded back, uh, I'd love to hang out with you. Here's my number. So I get a text message from this person who I don't know, who's talking as if we've talked, and I'm trying to figure out, like, who is this Joel person that got my number? Like, what is going on here? Well, long story short, we ended up getting dinner together, him and his beautiful wife, River, that we call Riv, and um, they're just amazing but I'll tell you, that was two days before Liz had her stroke. And as we were sharing with one another, they had a word for me. And they said, look, something's about to happen. And you need to know that God is bringing you strength and you're not allowed to quit. And I was like, wow, cool. That's not very encouraging. Um, but since we're newly friends, you know, like I'll just smile and be like, thank you. Two days later, Liz has a stroke. And that word carried me. That word carried me through that storm. And, and it was amazing to see how they rallied around us and they pulled their community around us. And um, Joel has served at Hillsong for many years and now he travels the world literally sharing the gospel and he has seen thousands of people saved and we're in for a treat. So can we give him the warmest, most thankful welcome in the history of Antioch Church, Mr. Joel Bennett. Thank you. Good morning. You well? I'll, I'll let you get my accent so we won't get subtitles this morning. It's kind of one of those accents that um, takes a little, little, little bit to get used to, correct? You're like, uh, I think so. I can do any, like Bruce the Shark, we can do it this morning. I can do Crocodile Dundee. I can do Steve Irwin. Take requests afterwards, like, okay? But I, I'm blessed by uh, Liz and JD. It's been an honor. Um, it was amazing that Liz is the reason that we had dinner. Um, and I did speak to JD like I, I knew him because Liz had been talking to me like, oh, he, she was JD. Um, she does that regularly still. Um, but you got to know that what you've been through isn't actually an accident or by chance, but God is placing significance. And sometimes I think the storms come in certain seasons. And the other side, when you look at the Jewish history, the other side from um, Capernaum to the other side is actually where every pagan lived. And through the storm, they were sending Jews. And they were sending to the promise. That was where the promise would happen, where no one knew Jesus, where no one knew the gospel, where no one knew what was going to happen. And to get there, they had to go through some storms. But the thing is, once they got there, people were free, people were released, and there was a massive revival that took out on, that, on the other side. We still don't know the name of it. It was just called the other side. And we could call that Austin today. We can call it Beyond. But I believe significance is actually placed upon them. And this morning, it's no accident that I stand here, but I go, I'm excited for your future. See, Antioch, Austin's future isn't in Dobie Middle School anymore. And I, I've, got, I've been excited to... I've got photos of the toilets, you know what I mean? 
Like, I was excited for where you will be. And I, I got to visit them this morning, and I'm still excited for where you'll be. But this morning, I want to speak about a message called, it's called Fruit That Lasts. I believe that if we want to be a church that is it's setting great fruit to come to pass, we've got to do some things. And for you, are in the middle of this series about the hood, and I believe last week you spoke about community and the importance of community. There is nothing more important in community than the roots that go down deep and don't give up. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to get out of the way long enough because JD didn't give me enough time. So I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for Jesus. Right at the front, we thank you for what he's done and what he's done in, through our lives. And as I speak, that I'll get out of the way long enough. These aren't just words on, a, on paper, but they become words that are living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I, my wife isn't here. She's on, she actually comes tomorrow. Um, I'm so sorry about that, but she, she's the better half of this whole thing. She made me wear short, short pants. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's out there going, what's he doing? Like, apparently ankles are cool these days. Or I couldn't afford the rest of them. Um, but I, my parents are getting old, and we have, we've been living in the same house for as long as I've been born. About 37 years tomorrow, we have been in the same house, which is pretty phenomenal. But as you walked into our house, there was this gardenia bush. Gardenia bushes uh, smell good in the right time of the year. They look good. They've got those white, beautiful flowers. I used to pick them and give them to my grandmother, and I would get myself some good food. Like, it was the best part of the... But a couple of months ago, I'd been traveling and been traveling a lot, and it had been a real busy season. And I was like, I'm getting home. I'm just going to spend some time with my family. But the second day before I left, my dad calls me and says, Joel, we're doing renovations. Now, I love my parents, but if you get that phone call that says we're doing renovations with an implied reason that you need to be at the house, he then goes, Joel, this is your inheritance. <laughs> like, Dad, like, you're not dead. That's, and he goes, so what, what I need you to do is we can't do the gardening anymore. I need you to come over. We, we need some things moved. I'm like, gardening's easy. Like, get some mulch dig some holes, like, that's all good. And then he says, oh, I just get there, and he says, there's this gardenia bush that we want moved. Now, 30 years of root systems suck. <laughs> like, am I allowed to say that in church? Well, I just did. Like, they're terrible, and he, he gets there, and he doesn't have a chainsaw. Like, he wasn't even prepared for me to be there. This is what the worst part about the whole, I get there, it was a 100-degree day. He had a bottle of water for me. He gives me the, the pick or the hoe and says, I'll be back in five hours. I want it out. Now, I'm not a gardener. Like, look at me. I've got my ankles out. Like, I'm not a gardener. <laughs> I, like, gardening is far from my spiritual gift this morning. Like, and it still is. And I, I, I don't have calluses. Like, so he gives me this thing. And I'm like, how do you do this? So I dig out around it. And I start to dig and dig. Seven hours later, I, I, I am trying to remove the stump of this gardenia bush to a point where it is rocking back and forth but not moving because the root system is so deep and so strong that even Joel in his muscles looking like Thor and a golden hammer couldn't break that thing. I tried my very best. I, I, I did all I could, but it, it, it took a point where 
I had to get a friend to come over and remove the whole thing. Tell you what was the worst part was? They filled in the hole and they put in a seed. And said, oh, I said, so what did you plant? They went, a gardenia bush. <laughs> I have an inheritance, you know what I mean? It's a gardenia bush. There's a scripture in Luke 6 that I want to go to this morning. And Luke is an amazing book of the Bible. It's the only Jew, Gentile that wrote a, wrote a book of the Bible. He wrote this story, and it's, he's a doctor. He's actually the only scientist that has written a book in the Bible. So if you have people like, oh, scientists believe in Jesus, well, let me tell you, Luke is a doctor, a scientist who believes in Jesus. He spent some time with him, and that's, all, that's what you're going to go to today. It says this, 43 through 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bushes. A good man of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man of the treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This morning... I want to speak about fruit that lasts. In America, have you heard of the sequoia tree? It's a big redwood tree. It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's huge. Did you understand that they start as a, a cone-shaped seed? And inside that cone-shaped seed, there is roughly about 100,000 different seeds. The only way that those seeds can ever take off or take shape, they take about 20 years to grow, and then as soon as a fire hits them, they... Poof. See, that seed will only spread in heat and fire. They'll only go and they, they'll spread up to about an acre to two acres further away from that tree, finding a space that hasn't been planted yet. Really interesting. They're created like fans and they fly. <laughs> really interesting. But did you understand once they plant, the, the fire has come through, the ground is now fertile because it has taken off the top layer that's hard. It then goes in and next you know what do they do after a fire has come. Usually to put it out we use water. It waters it, it goes down deep. Now a sequoia tree has a, a root system that will go up to one acre wide. It can grow up to 300 feet high and up to 26 feet wide. Now I don't even know how big that is in feet and like I'm meters, okay, so that's big. Like Real big. Big. And so this, but it, will, it creates after itself. It doesn't actually create a, a, an oak tree. It creates another sequoia tree. Out of the 100,000 seeds it, it sows, maybe 10 to 15 will take root. That scripture, it says in the New King James Version, you'll find choice fruit hanging on, you'll never find choice fruit hanging on bad trees. And rotten fruit doesn't hang on a good, healthy tree. Every tree will be revealed by the quality of fruit that it produces. What are you producing in your life right now? What is Antioch as a church producing right now? See, just so you know, the fruit that we produce requires you to be part of it. For us to actually become all the, 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 the people that we're supposed to become, it requires every one of us to actually have a life that is producing fruit. How do I know what produce, you're producing? It says the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How are you speaking this morning? 
What are you speaking about? What are you consumed by? The last couple of years, I've spent some time traveling. I was once upon a time on staff at a little church called Hillsong Church. Um, and it was fun. It was great. We did a lot of great things. I saw some fun things happen. And then I decided to step out and start traveling for a living. Um, and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't see any fruit of it the first couple of years. The last two and a half years, we've seen about 13 and a half, 14,000 decisions for Christ. Last week, I was in Mexico, so this is the first time I've preached without a translator in a week. Preached 20 times. We saw 1,300 and something, something decisions for Christ, 992 cards handed in. But I would never have thought about the fruit that was coming from me when I was just 15 years old sitting in church. So this morning, I want to help us live lives that are flourishing. That when you walk into linear high school, when you, when you start to think about the next 10 years' time, that the fruit that you're producing is of seed that you've planted today. So, I'm going to give you a few things to help us get there. You have to understand your seed will determine your fruit. Where you plant your seed will determine how it grows. Your roots in certain soil will bring a certain type of nourishment, which, which means your fruitfulness is directly proportional to your rootfulness. Where are you rooted? What's got you? See, I would suggest that what you're rooted from is what you speak about, because the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are you speaking about? Is it Jesus? See, we will find ourselves speaking about all these things. What what about the community you're in? Do you speak about community? Are you caught by this community, or is it just somewhere you attend on a Sunday? See, I don't want to be able to speak to your Sunday. I want, uh, and I believe what JD would say is that we speak to your Mondays. We speak to your Monday, Tuesdays, that you can be a community in the community. Because if you're planted seeds today for greatness, it requires you to understand that as it goes down deep, you become rooted in Christ. And when you're rooted in Christ, you start to produce your, your fruit after Christ. So what fruit are you cre- creating today? What's it look like? Is it low-hanging? Is it bad? Is it rotten? You may find areas that are rotten. It says in John 15 that he will cut those off and you'll start to grow in areas again. See that gardenia bush? I remember one year my mum cut it so far back that there was no longer a gardenia. There was no longer a green part of the leaf. There was nothing. Just a black old stump. What does your life look like today? Everything starts, number one, in seed form. And seed is, seed's interesting because it doesn't look like much. Seed is actually quite boring. It's, let's take the acorn for a second. The acorn is like an, just a seed. The acorn is a big seed and it doesn't look like much, but we plant it and we put it in some soil and, and then it starts to grow. See, no one knows what this, the acorn's going to be except for the gardener. See, the acorn has no idea today what it was like. Just like you, you may plant today some faith. Today you might plant some, some, some uh, I'm going to plant some community language. I'm going to plant some good things. I'm going to plant the word of God. I'm going to plant worship. I'm going to plant surrender. You're going to plant some things. And it will produce after its own kind. So the acorn grows into this beautiful old oak tree. But it says in John 15, I am the gardener. See, he is the gardener today, God. Stop trying to garden yourself, because if you're gardening yourself, you're not going to grow to anything of good. You're going to grow to something of corruptible. 
but it says in 1 Peter that we're born of incorruptible seed. So what seed are you growing after? What have you planted in the last week? What language have you produced in your life? Because that language is a seed. That language that you've said, oh, I can't do it, I can't make it. I, I've planted negativity. I don't know if this transition is going to be as strong. as I can't believe we're well, If you're planting that, it will grow after that. If you're planting positivity, it will go after positivity. If you're, grow, if you're planting faith, it will go with faith. See, if you're planting fear, it will be fear. See, fear will flourish in a malnourished faith state. My question is, what faith are you producing? Because fear is a form of faith. Remember, it's corruptible seed. But it says in 1 Peter, we are born of incorruptible seed. This morning, what seed are you planting? What does it look like? See, words are seeds in our lives, and, and your tongue is the planting tool in your life. Because of the abundance of the heart, the mouth... I thought I was in Antioch, Austin. The abundance of the heart, the mouth... That sounds better. I've listened to the podcast and you speak to JD. <laughs> See, the, you can say whatever you want to me. I don't mind. You plant something every day. You're also planting seeds into other people's lives. See, in community, you can be the difference maker in them. See, if you decide to be the planting tool into their lives of, of, of good things... See, right now they're facing a storm, but you're going to speak faith. You plan the faith because when they get to the very rock bottom, they are not going to remember the rock bottom. They're going to remember the, the element of faith, the seed of faith that their friend is. If we look at in the story of Acts 16 where Peter, uh, sorry, Paul and Silas are sitting in the prison, every prisoner, their, 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 their jails were flung open. The, the jailer was about to neck himself. But faith stepped in. Jesus stepped in. When Jesus walks into the room with you, what do people remember? Because that is the seed that is being sown. And when you plant that seed, it has to bear after its own type. See, what is it today? When, when you're planting that seed, you have to understand that seeds are also planted in winter. See, I did some study <laughs> I know, I, I look like the total gardener type, but there's a thing called dendrology. Yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the study of trees. It's a subcategory of botany. Yeah, I know, I, I, Google is amazing. Um, but you have to understand that when you've been through some things, when you've gone through things, when you, you have to understand that that's where everything starts to grow. We have oranges and lemons. Do you understand the best time to plant those seeds is in winter? Like we all want to plant in summer when we can get our tan on. I actually don't want to do that in Texas because it's like 120 degrees out there and you'll melt. Like it's terrible out there. That's why I've got my ankles out, you know what I mean? Um, but, but, but it gets to like winter is when you should be planting fruit-bearing trees. What's winter look like in your life? Winter in my life has been cold. I remember when my wife was pregnant with our first son, which it wasn't a great experience because you know that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting? It told me nothing to expect when I was expecting. <laughs> like absolutely nothing. 
we got so far into our pregnancy that she was still vomiting at seven months that I was like, check your baby, I'm out. Like I went back to work going, see ya, and rubbed her back and did my thing. Like I was a terrible husband when I was younger. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I'm completely born again, trust me. We've got three boys and they're healthy, but see, it told me nothing. It goes on through the period of time and it was shocking to a point where at seven months she was still vomiting and she goes to the hospital and they say, you've got to think of preeclampsia. Preeclampsia, I was like, that sounds like a beautiful way of saying something really bad. And it was. She had high blood pressure. She had blood pressure at the worst, got 196 on 118. They, they said that if they don't get the baby out in a certain time frame, that she was going to have a stroke and it was... They, Handed a piece of paper, I signed that piece of paper, and all of a sudden it was done. They went, took us down, and that, in, this, in this little surgery room, before we went in, she's laying on this bed, and I was angry at God. Like, if I was real honest, I had told God some things I'd never told God. Like, I was now a youth pastor, because apparently youth pastors, you've made it in Jesus, which is not true at all. Um, like, I, I, I had a successful youth ministry, and I thought that was good enough for God. And then I, I was married, so I'd, I'd won. But I was angry as they come, and right in the middle, it was about 11.55 p.m. Zion was born, my eldest, at 11.59 p.m. They couldn't wait a minute, you know what I mean? And this little Asian lady walks in and says, Oh, Mr. Bennett! Now, I was angry frustrated even and she was too happy for me in my moment <laughs> ever met those people they are so happy for no apparent reason and she, she and so Riv squeezes my hand like be nice Joel because whenever your wife squeezes your hand and says be nice or kicks you under the table take that advice heed that warning and so I said hi <laughs> right trying to be nice and she goes everything's going to be okay. I'm like, hmm. Like, God, why now? Like, why right now? Like, tomorrow. He says, she starts going on, and then all of a sudden she goes, Every, why, how do you know everything's going to be okay? She goes, because I know Jesus. <laughs> In that moment, she sowed peace. She prayed for us, and she left. Never seen her again. Maybe she was an angel in the form of an Asian girl. I don't know. But she sowed peace. Calmed the raging storm in a room that should have been raging. To a point where I would preach that God is your peace even when you don't understand what's going on. God is your refuge even when you have no shelter. God is your... So maybe you have to understand that you've got to plant some faith and expectation Plant some expectation for good things in Philippians 4.8. Plant some expectation for success in your business this year in Joshua 1.8. Plant some expectation for promotion this year. Plant some expectation for blessing. See, number two is you've got to plant. Once you've planted seed, number two is you've got to find the soil. See, soil is dirty, muddy, disgusting. We put like manure in that thing. I manure is like, like my parents had put sown manure for years into that gardenia bush. 
But for some reason in our lives, we don't want any manure. We don't want the bad stuff that says in James 1, 2 through 4, that if under your faith life it comes to the open through tests and trials. We don't want that type of maturity. But if you want to have a mature like faith life, you need some tests and trials. Like you need some tests in your community. You need some problems to happen so you can see that in that, the burning of it will start to see your seed start to grow. My question is, where is it right now? What is the mud of your world look like? Your soil is the preparation. How have you prepped your soil? The problem is we don't want to prep our soil like they used to. We want to go to like the Home Depot and we want to buy a bag of everything. We want to pour the bag on. And, but in the old days, they used, to get, they used to get things delivered and they would prepare the soil for planting. Have you prepared your, your life with the Word of God? Have you prepared your life for your day with worship? Have you prepared your life every day with, with prayer? H- have you? Because uh, those basics prepare the soil for planting. My question is, have you prepared it? Because if you want to see growth, if we want to see... Let me, I, I had a picture of that Lanier High School. It's a big old auditorium. But if you want to see that to, 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 to full, it's going to take some preparation. And preparation requires community. And, and preparation requires the word. Preparation requires worship. Preparation requires faith. Preparation requires a seed. My question is, again, have you prepared your soil? What nutrients are in it? See, soil gives nutrients to the seed to grow. James 1, 2, it's the tests and trials. Philippians 4, Paul says, be anxious for nothing. In Galatians 5, he tells you what type of fruit will come out of the seed. But what is in the seed form that you've sown? When the roots start to grow, you have to understand that the muck, the disgusting, the dirt, they start to take root. Roots go out wide and they pull water and nutrients to the seed that it can be strong enough to push through the ground. Do you understand that pushing through of the ground is the hardest part of any growth of a tree? It's the hardest part to get through. Because when you've, you, you, it draws and requires every part, an ounce of the soil's nutrients to get through. And everyone's like, why am I hearing about this today? Because I believe that as you start to plant your roots in community, you'll start to draw from the, the, the water, from the, the soil and the nutrients of the soil, and it will start to push you further. It'll push you to success. It'll push you to fruitfulness. It'll pu- push you to generosity. It'll push you through to faith. I was just in Mexico City, and in Mexico City I was with these, I, I do a little bit of work with some human trafficking, with the human trafficking organization down there. And it's amazing work, but I got to meet two ex-human traffickers. And it was, it was messy hearing their story, and I don't condone what they did. It was actually hor- horrific. One man has a, an image of a woman shackled on his arm. That's how proud of what he was. 
he and his brother start to tell me stories. And the story goes that the younger brother got separated and was sent to maximum security. He was put in a prison cell on his own. And on the prison cell on his own, the next night, the, that night, the guys next to him was one of the worst murderers in Mexico. He slashed and killed his then prison mate. And they moved him the next night to his cell. And so he said, why did you kill him? And the, the long story short was he wouldn't read the Bible to me, so I killed him. He needs you. And so he said, what do you want me to do? And he said, just read me the Bible and you'll be good. He'd never read the Bible. He'd never heard of Jesus. He actually believed in St. Jude, not Jesus. And he started to read Matthew. And he started to read Mark, Luke. Three months in, he gets to John. And he starts to read about this God who wanted to be intimate with him. And he goes, I stopped reading for the, the, the axe murderer and I started reading for me. See, the incorruptible seed of the Word of God has the ability to change lives through and through. The thing is that we're so not willing to read the Word of God to let it change us. Will you be a church that is planting seeds? through the Word of God, that's planting seeds that would change lives. See what you don't understand, his brother, which was in another cell in another part of the prison, had been asked to a Bible study where he wasn't going to go because he was one of the worst in the prison. They said, but we'll give you a donut. So he goes for the donut and they said, but whilst you're here getting your donut, you've got to read this. He starts reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and John he encounters Jesus. And starts reading about Jesus, how Jesus can set him free. About Jesus and the Word of God can actually give him life and life to the full. He starts reading. And this incorruptible seed starts to impact this corrupted man. Twelve years of prison. He saw salvation upon salvation upon salvation. He saw people healed from cancer. Not because he had a pastor like JD. Not because he had worship like Antioch Austin but because he encountered a very real and living Jesus. So you're in here and going, Joel, how do I have this? You're talking this seed. How do I do that? Start with the Word of God. Start with your worship of an almighty God. Start with praise as your language. Finally, number three is you need the sun. See, fruit-bearing fruit bearing trees require and I have a reliance on the sun. It gives vital energy that helps fruit be produced. Sun is so important to fruit-bearing trees. Also, the Son of God is important to fruit-bearing lives. You want that energy that you require to have energy for your every day? Go to the Son of God. It's, it's proven that vitamin D helps your life. <laughs> That's why everyone in England's depressed. They need some vitamin D. Likewise, why do you think you find anxiety in your world? Maybe you need to give yourself to the Son of God. Why do you find healing such an issue? Maybe you need to give yourself to the Son of God and let the sun be exposed on you. See, we sit there and go, man, is Jesus really going to expose himself? Yes, I'll tell you how he's done it. He's done it 2,000 some years ago, quite simply by taking your place and my place. 
See, Jesus didn't come normal. He came with an expectation that He would take your place. See, God couldn't get it done with Adam and Eve, so He wrote Jesus into the story. Jesus came 2,000 years ago, took a beating of a lifetime He didn't deserve. He was so black and blue that he did, he, you couldn't see Him. They pulled out a cross that was made for Barabbas. See, I've always pictured the cross so beautiful, so, so stunning. We see this Jesus on a cross with a nappy. It's perfect. But that cross would have been used maybe three days earlier by another man. Still bloodied, still smelly, still wet. And Jesus, with every stripe that was broken and says, by his stripes you can know healing, he lays down on top of the other man's blood, on top of the other man's urine, on top of the other man's... See, you go, God can't forgive you for what you've done. He can't... Let me tell you, you can't get any dirtier than a cross infused with all that stench. He takes it, every single part of punishment was for you. See, then, takes a grave made for Joseph. Didn't have Jesus' name on it because he wasn't staying there for long. And says three days later, he rises again. And in that, we can now have hope, a future, and a life. See, resurrection life is the only way that we can know the cross was ever worth it. See, let me tell you, Jesus didn't come so you could live poor and down and out. He came so you could live with, a, with an ability to live life and life to the full. This morning, I want to ask you, what's the seed you've got? What's the soil that is ready to be sown into? And have you exposed that seed and that soil to the Son of God? Because good fruit comes from good trees. And bad fruit comes from bad trees. Can I ask you this morning to close your eyes and bow your heads? Friends, if you don't know Jesus and you need to know Jesus, I want to ask you to raise your hand and go, Joel, that's me. Just I, Everywhere we've been, I ask this question. Where do you stand before an almighty God? See, today you might go, Joel, I was dragged here by my dad and I actually didn't want to come to church. Welcome to church. You got me yelling at you for 30 minutes. But you're not here by accident or by chance. You're here in the divine timing of an almighty God. You might, you might have been at church every, year, every day for the last three years. Let me tell you, you you're, and you haven't made a decision. Today is your day. Friend, let me ask you, where do you stand with Jesus? If you can't say I'm right with him, today's your day. If you can't say you're forgiven, today's your day. When I say three, I want you to raise your hand and go, Joel, I want to accept Jesus today. One, he loves you. Two, from the front to the back, the left to the right, it says today is the day of salvation. Don't miss this opportunity, friend. When I say three, one, two, three. Throw your hand up nice and high and saying yes to Jesus. Quickly, thank you. Thank you. Quickly, throw your hand up nice and high. I don't want to push this moment, but quickly. Stand. Thank you, ma'am. He loves you, friend. Thank you at the back. Antioch, can we say this prayer together? Say, Jesus. Nice and loud. Say, Jesus, today, I thank you for dying on the cross 
and rising again today. I'm forgiven, set free, starting again, a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision, someone will have seen you and they'll come to you and help you on this next phase of your journey. But let me tell you, the best days for you as a church and for the, I believe the best days are ahead. Amen.